Hey, do me a favor. I'm going to read this passage really quickly. Um, in Psalm 68, 4 through 6, this is what the psalmist, his name is David. And David is, is to, in my opinion, an exemplary male, father, follower of God uh, in Scripture. I love him. And uh, he wrote this, and he says, Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. That's pretty impressive. He rides the clouds. I grew up surfing. I never rode clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Listen, verse 5. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God. I'm going to read that again. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. His dwelling is holy because he's a holy God. And where a holy God goes, his environment has to become holy. Okay, are you with me? Where a father goes, a father's environment will be curated by what the father carries. God places the lonely, listen, this is, this is so encouraging to me. God places the lonely in what? Families. We've been, we've been in this time period of family refresh over the last couple months. It's, just, it's, it's a crazy time of the year, right? We've got kids graduating, Mother's Day, Father's Day. There's so much happening. So we've been in this family refresh. And God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. There's an opportunity there. The rebellious, right, that's a choice that is made on their own. In all of God's magnificence, to ride clouds, to be the king of kings, to be called Lord of lords as the originator of all of creation in this scripture, he relishes to be known as what? Father to the fatherless. Why? Because I want to suggest to you today that fathers are necessary and they're more necessary today in 2023 than ever in my lifetime that I've seen. And today we're going to celebrate fathers. So if you're a dad in the room, I just want to tell you personally for me as a father of seven amazing, wonderful daughters, I'm the determining chromosome, by the way in that partnership between male and female, I'm the one who determined my female daughter's gender, okay? So it's on me. <laughs> we're going to celebrate fathers, but I, I, want us to, I want us to know this. So we're going to celebrate those who have fathered us in the natural and in the spiritual, because this is what I believe. We're a family at Movement Church. We curate environments so that we can have an encounter with Jesus because that matters most. But I'm telling you right now that there's a natural father that maybe has loved you in your life. Maybe it's been a rough road. But there's also spiritual fathers. And I want to honor those who have gone before me that have looked at me and said, hey, I'm going to help you out. I want to I pray for you. I want to support you. I want to encourage you. And honestly, I want to call you out when you're being a knucklehead. Okay? When you're being that dude. When you're being, being a chump. And so I want to honor all of the men who have stepped in with the heart of a father 
And I want to remind you men that even if you don't have a child in the natural, that God has put you in a position to be a father in heart to some people around you. And I want to celebrate you today. All of us are impacted. I haven't forgotten about Julius, by the way. Bro, can we, I would just, he, he, he brings the bishop goodness out in me. Come on. I could just preach the whole entire time with, with you, bro. Pastor Jeff, come up here, just like wipe the sweat off my brow. <laughs> okay. This is Father's Day, man. I could do whatever I want. It's my house right now. It's God's house. And so we're going to talk about some things today. Buckle up, buttercup. Listen, I know that all of us are impacted by fathers that we have seen and we experience, and that's both positive and negative. Good fathers that were built on a firm foundation of biblical manhood. I'm going to say that again. Good fathers are built on a, on a biblical foundation of manhood. I want to acknowledge that there's a lot of good fathers. There's a lot of good fathers that maybe don't have a relationship with God, and I don't want to discount good, like good fathers, okay? There are a lot of good fathers. But I just want you to know that great fathers have something in their foundation that, in, that in, in, my, in my experience, even if they don't have a relationship with God, is tied to biblical principles. Shocking, but true. Healthy biblical manhood results in healthy biblical fatherhood. So for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the biblical man. Today we're going to talk about fathers, but the next two weeks, I personally am going to share with you on biblical manhood. And I think this is more important than ever that we talk about this. We set some roots and foundation in Scripture because biblical truth is our foundation. Not my view, not my opinion, not my feelings. We're going to look right to God's word on this for the next two weeks. Uh, and we're going to look at David as a worshiper and as a warrior for godly insight. David was these two things that I think it's important that we understand about, about good biblical manhood. And who's this for? I want you know, we're going to talk about biblical manhood, but this isn't just for the men. So, so it's, it's not just like, guys, if you're in the room, you're going to be like, yes. Pastor Pat, yes. But I'm going to tell you who's going to be screaming yes more. This is who this next two weeks is for. It's for wives, single women, young ladies, single men, young men, mothers, and fathers. All of them are going to benefit. How? Wives, you're going to get insight to your man. Wives, you're going to get insight to your men. And if you're a mother, you're going to get insight to that young son and who they're growing to be, okay? Uh, Single women, you're going to insight to the man that God desires for you. Single women, you're not going to want to miss the next two weeks. You want to, you want to get a man? Okay. I know this is a hot topic. Like a lot of single ladies are like, Pastor Pat, like, <laughs> okay. Young ladies. You're not maybe in the zone of finding you that man to marry, but I want you to know who God's preparing for you. Single men, insight to the man that women are looking for. Some single men are like, dude, I don't even know what to do with lady. Like, is there, 
Julius, is there a dating app? I don't know if there's like a, is there a good game? I don't, right? There's a lot of questions. So it's like, I, single men, I want you to know, like this is what women are looking for, okay? It doesn't start with your game system in your mom's basement. Young men. I want young men to know and get insight to who it is that God is preparing them to be. This is important. Dads and moms, I want you to get insight to the young man that God is preparing for your daughters, if you're a dad of daughters. This is a big deal to me. I, I am so thankful for the young men that have come into my life, into my daughters' lives, because they had a family that prepared them. And I want to be a church family that has really strong understanding foundation of biblical manhood and it's going to touch every aspect of who we are as a church family okay at the core of a father is a man who began as a boy i want you to know this at the core of a father is just a man who began as a boy and boys are sons and sons become men and men become fathers who raise boys as sons to become men who become fathers do you see how this begins to repeat itself and today we're going to talk about the power of a father. The power of a father to deposit identity, make space, and to pursue. And we're going to talk about some things that I think are going to give us some freedom and some understanding and clarity. Let's pray, though. Lord, this is an important investment. Lord, that we would understand who you are as a father, who we're created to be, men who were created to be as fathers. that the people around us have a good understanding as fathers, that people around us have a good understanding of, of who it is that God created us to be. But Lord, what I want is I want to understand who you are in this. I want to set my opinions and views aside, and we're going to rest on biblical truth as our foundation. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen. You guys, give Julius a huge round of applause. Bro, you could do. I'm almost tempted to have you stay, man. <laughs> Listen, number one, fathers deposit identity in Genesis one twenty six. I love this part of scripture. This is when God creates uh, male and female. It says, "Then God said, Let us make human beings.'" Human beings, uh, in some translations, that's the word man. Let us make man. Now, that word man there is like mankind, humanity, okay? That's the plurality of males and females together make mankind, okay? So he says, let us, who's us? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are together giving us this beautiful example of, of, of what family looks like, of what headship looks like, of what sacrifice looks like, of what servanthood looks like. And, 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 and in that image, he creates human beings. He says, in our image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So... God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. He doubles down in this so we understand that we're created in the image of God, that he's the one who created us, and there's a purpose behind that creation. There's a blessing to fill the earth, to multiply, to govern, to reign, be a partner with him in creation. God, I want you to know, is perfect in his creation. He's absolutely perfect in his creation. There's zero flaw in his creation because he is an unflawed God. Now, what, what, what is flawed creation is not God's creative ability. It's man in Genesis 3. It's sin. Okay? So God is perfect in his creation. We're all image bearers of a perfect God with a perfect image bearing zero defect. I want you to know this. There's no mistakes And the reason why I think this is so important that we can look at the origin of creation that we should look at and we should understand biblical truth is our foundation is there's the biggest question mark over people's identity and creation ever in existence in humanity. In fact, I would tell you that our young generation is facing this at a higher degree than any generation has ever faced it. And I want you to know there's no mistake. God is the father of creation, gave identity. He deposited identity into two genders, male and female. Let's define what a male is, okay? A male, it's of men. This is uh, alone in comparison to mankind. Now, I said, you know, man is plurality, but this word, if you looked it up in the Hebrew, is singular. It's male of men alone, It's the singular person with the XY chromosome in difference to the female person with an XX chromosome in humanity that God had created. Now, here's what else I know based on the Hebrew is that this male was not a child. You may not ever have thought about this. You know, when God created male and female, were they babies? This Hebrew word means not a child. Okay? And we're going to talk about this in coming weeks, but God didn't create a male child. He didn't create a boy. Okay? And the reason that I would back that up is because he gave the male who was not a child governance, reign, responsibility, and a blessing to multiply. That sounds like man work, not boy work. Can someone just please help me out? Thank you. Okay. Men and women are male and female down to their bones. And this is why, look, a father deposits identity, and identity is down to your bones. You know, here's the deal. In 400 years, no matter what I say, no matter what I want to portray, when you dig my skeletal remains up in 400 years, guess what they're going to say when they test my skeletal bones? Who are they going to say I was? A male. pretty powerful. There's no question over the identity that God has given to me or given to you. Okay? God, as a father, created and deposited male identity into a man. But let me just ask this question. What is a man? It's an adult male. Pretty simple. You should write that down. 
it's an adult male, what is a male? This is a bit circular, I understand. But this, this is the confusion today that we're facing, is a circular argument that leads to no clarity. What is a male? One of the two genders God created with physiological specificity marked genetically by an XY chromosome, period. Jesus is calling. Let me say that again. What is a male? One of the two genders God created with physiological specificity marked genetically by an XY chromosome. It's pretty clear. I'm super excited for this month. Do you, get, you, do you know what we're celebrating this month? What, 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 what are we celebrating this month? An awareness of? Of what? No. No. No, no, not at all. It's actually Men's Health Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. No one's talking about that. It, it was actually instituted by Congress in 1992. Do you know why? Because men in society, specifically men that become fathers, are the most necessary piece of society that we have done a really good job at marginalizing. So here's just some, I'm just going to give you some facts that have nothing to do with church, if you're skeptical. This is the government, okay? 24.7 million children, 33% in the United States, live in fatherless homes. That is insane. Just that statistic alone. Children living in fatherless homes have increased by 25% since 1960. 85% of children with absent fathers get involved in crime. 70% of children in fatherless homes have dropped out of high school. Children living in fatherless homes are four times more apt to live in poverty. Girls. Raised in fatherless homes are eight times more apt to become a teenage mother. 85% of all children living without a father experience behavioral disorders. Teenagers with positive and nurturing fathers are 80% less likely to go to prison. At the core of a father is a man. So let's talk about some things statistically that are at war with men right now. Men have a life expectancy of 76.1 years. Uh, females, 81.1. Men, we have five less years than women. We're four times more likely to commit suicide. We're less likely to visit a doctor for exams and preventive medicine. <laughs> Men, I don't know why, but I'm just like, I'm with you on that. I was like, you should go to the doctor. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> we account for 92% of workplace deaths. Men. We're at greater risk for heart disease, cancer, injury, stroke, HIV, and AIDS. 
These are pretty powerful statistics that tell me pretty explicitly the power of a father depositing identity for our children. These are also pretty powerful statistics telling me what's up against men as they strain and struggle at times. I'm just being real as a dad. To be good men who are good fathers. And as men, we play an instrumental role in the confidence of our young to know who they are. And for them to thrive according to God has created them to be because fathers deposit identity. Men, there is a father who has deposited an identity in you, in God. And it's important that we understand who we are, men, because we're depositing identity in the next generation. And what I would tell you is in every man is the significance of fatherhood. In every man. Regardless if you have natural children or not, it's part of the tapestry of generational living. We, we heard Audrey give a brilliant message a couple weeks ago on generational living. And I firmly believe in every man is the significance of fatherhood. I would tell you that one of the number one needs as a church family, one of the number one needs is for men to step in and be present with our kids. We have no less than 250 young kids up to the age of sixth grade that account for this church being their home church, men. We need you. We have junior high and high school ministry. Very formative years. Men, we need you. If, if you heard nothing else today, if you're part of our church family, if you're a man, you might need to do a cup check. <laughs> if you're a man, and you're part of our church family, it's time to get off the couch and quit being a consumer and take on the significance of being a father. No more excuses. Amen? Because fathers make space. Fathers make space. When I just read this, it says, a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy dwelling. It says in verse 6, and God makes a home for the lonely. He makes a home. God makes space. As a father to the fatherless, what is he doing to the fatherless? In fact, I would tell you today in 2023, we know statistically there are 25 million kids that are fatherless. And so the best thing that we can do is introduce them to a father who is a father to the fatherless, who makes a home, who makes space. And for us as men, that we would partner with a God who is a father, who is a good, good God and a good father who makes space. And we would begin making space by making a home. And so make a home, it, how does he do it? He sets the lonely in a family with a father at its head. 
We've seen the repercussions of not having a father at the head of a family. We just read the statistics. See, fathers make space. God is a good father. He made space for you and I. And, and, and in this idea of setting the lonely in a family, here's some words that I, I want to present to you in the Hebrew that this word family also means. It means a house, a temple, a palace, or a court. Why would God want to be present in a court? Because this is super fascinating to me. I get a bit word nerdy. When I looked all this up, see, those without a father... When this text was written, and throughout history, what we found was that those without a father lacked provision of material needs and representation of their interests, where? In the court. So, in ancient times, the role in the family of the oldest adult male, catch what I just said, the oldest adult male It may not be my personal DNA, but I'm going to father you. This is like father. This is men. We're going to father the generation. Not my DNA. It's your spiritual DNA. Thank you. Honestly, thank you to the fathers who have stood up and helped make space, speaking to the identity of these young men and women to help them understand who they are. So the oldest adult male in ancient times were usually it was either an, an eldest you know male relative, which could be a grandfather or an uncle. But they were to selflessly ensure space for the child to thrive. The eldest adult male selfless, this is key, selflessly ensured space for the child to thrive. Making space as a father requires the sacrifice and servanthood of biblical manhood. And it's marked by selflessness. See, I'm a guy, so I'm just going to, real quick, I'm going to call myself out. If I, if I put myself in the seats, role reversal. If I put myself in the seats and I listen to myself say what I just said even about men, it's time to get off the couch. I have so many problems with what I just said to myself. Most of them because of how uncomfortable and how much time and how, don't you know, I have 15 other things that I could be doing or should be doing. And here's the reality. You were born a man. And part of manhood, I'm I'm preaching to myself right now, okay? So totally take yourself off the hook. Pat, part of being a man is that you were created to sacrificially be a servant by being selfless. A.K.A. Pat, it's really not about you. I'm going to own that because that's how I hear things at times. I'm just going to be fair. That's the tension. And so we just need to be aware of it. Men, I know some of you listening right now are hearing me through that lens potentially. And I understand. 
I'm just going to say something really hard right now. I understand. I just think you and I are wrong if that's how we're going to determine our actions. We were, cr- we were created in God's image <laughs> to be selfless by being sacrificial servants. Where we lacked representation for our interests in the court of judgment from sin, we have a father who made space for us when he sent Jesus as a sacrifice and servant to stand, speak, and act on our behalf. I love God gives us this example of this. And we're men created in his image, and we're following God, and we're like, we need to be Christ-like, and so we're following what he did before us. So the Father made space for us by sending his son Jesus, who continues to hold space for us, as our first advocate. As well as we have the Holy Spirit as our advocate. It says in John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. Who is the saying this? Jesus. He's saying it as the first advocate for you and I. Why do we need advocates? Because I want to tell you something. Every morning you wake up, What you're pressed with is you're pressed with something telling you that you should be, you should look like, you should submit to something other than what you were created for. Who do you have advocating for you? Why is God a father to the fatherless? Because he knows that you and I need an advocate. He knew in the court's We needed an advocate, so we sent Jesus. Jesus knew we were going to need an advocate to walk out this life, this journey. Because, men, here's the biggest question that we have, especially, 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 men, if you are a father in the natural, this this is the biggest thing. We need an advocate to come alongside us to encourage us that, bro, you have what it takes. I just want you to know that, men, you have what it takes. We need each other. Men, we need each other. Men, we have to stop doing this alone. We need each other. I cannot do this alone. I can't parent alone. I can't love my wife alone. I can't be a man of God alone. I need men around me who are going to call me out, who are going to encourage me, who are going to remind me of who it is that God created me to be. Some men, you're somewhat skeptical about this. This is hard. But I'm telling you, we need it. We need an advocate. Women, you need an advocate to know that you're lovely. You need an advocate to know that you were perfectly made. You need an advocate and a father to tell you you don't have to put on some falsehood. The Father sacrificially made space for us to encounter Jesus, and as fathers, men as fathers, we now sacrificially are going to make space for others to encounter Jesus. That's what men do. We make space. When we see something going on, we go, hey, let us make space.
and we help make this space. We, let, let, let me say it this way. In the Old Testament, men would go before they got married and make space. They would make a home. Sometimes it would be a year that they would establish and make space for their bride. That says a lot to these women who are stepping in like, dude, my man, he went ahead of me to make space. Why? Because he has the identity of a good father that's been deposited in him. That's a marriage conference. We won't go there. Fathers pursue why? They pursue you so, they can th- so that you can thrive in the space that they just created for you. They deposit identity. They, cr- they make space. But I love that they pursue you so that you can now thrive in the space they made for you. So God didn't just make the space. He continues to pursue you. He didn't just send his son Jesus. He's pursuing you right now. He's literally speaking to you right now. Men and women, he's speaking to you. Young and old, he's speaking to you right now. Doing what? He is pursuing you. Why? Because he is a good father. He's a father to the fatherless. And God doesn't want orphans. Did you know historically that when a child lost a father, they were considered an orphan? We consider orphans those who don't have mother or father. Historically, those who lost a father were considered an orphan. Did you know that right now one of the things I think battling us in society is we have a spirit of orphanhood? And when I don't have a deposited identity and I don't know space is being made for me and I don't have a father pursuing me, I'm going to try and find all that wherever I can. Fathers pursue. Genesis 3, 7. Okay, God creates male and female. They're hanging out, man, being fruitful. They're just like naming birds and animals and doing whatever they're going to do. By the way, running around naked. My jam. I'm digging this, you know? Think about the freedom. Like mentally, emotionally, there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no fear. Think about this for a second. Okay? Genesis 3 hits. Uh-oh. Adam and Eve, they do what God said. Don't, don't do this. And they do it because they feel like they're the authority. And they step out from underneath God's authority. And in verse 7, let's look and see what happens. It says, And at that moment their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame. At their nakedness. Shame. Shame made them aware of something that God had actually created for them, but perverted it. There's nothing inherently wrong with their nakedness. Shame is what perverted it, but the root of that was sin. So they sewed fig leaves together. That makes sense to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, let me be clear, to Adam. 
He didn't call out to Eve. Men. We're going to talk about the responsibility we hold in the next coming weeks. And I just want you to know something. This is, I'm not going to like, we're not going <laughs> to, it's going to be positive. Let me say that. I was going to say something else that would have been inappropriate. I would have gotten canceled in social media for sure. Lord God called out to the man, where are you? So Adam replies, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. God pursues Adam in the garden. Why? Because fathers pursue. Do you think God didn't know what Adam and Eve had done? He knew. Do you think he didn't know where they were? He knew where they were. Do you think that God didn't know that Adam had tried to put on a false front and change his identity by what he was wearing? God knew. He still pursued him. Fathers pursue. There's no prerequisite. Well, I'll pursue you if God is in pursuit of every living, breathing human. Period. But Adam is hiding in fear from disobeying God's instructions. But what's fascinating about this is Adam is attempting to hide the identity that God had deposited in him as his image bearer. God deposits the identity of image bearer in Adam, and he's attempting to hide it by clothing himself in fig leaves. Let me cover the image I was created to bear with the leaf of figs. What Adam is wearing failed to change his identity. Had zero impact on it. Humanity attempts to change who they are by changing how others see them. You and I will attempt to change our identity by how others see us. We, we all have this defense mechanism. This is, this is, by, this is a human thing, we, me included, right? Like, I'm just a dude. We all have a defense mechanism of presenting our fake self to God and to others when our true self, God's design for us, feels vulnerable. And vulner- the, the fear of vulnerability is the fear from shame and guilt and sin and hurt and pain, which, can I just tell you, is not always on you. The reality is that there's people that probably have hurt you. And what the enemy wants you and I to do is constantly hide and present our fake self. Social media has made this wildly possible. I can present my fake self. I can say, I can just present all the happy times, but never present the vulnerable part of me. Like, who am I really? Who are you really? By the way, you know, God, God is walking in a garden with you, and he sees you, and he knows you. He's calling out to you. And, and, and we, have, we have a part to play in this where we begin presenting our real self to him. He sees it anyway. But also I want to tell you that the most freedom that we're going to find in li- this side of heaven, the most freedom we're going to find is when we present, vulnerably present, 
the true self, the way that God designed us to each other. But we have this defense mechanism. Adam hid and clothed himself as a defense mechanism. But God pursued and clothed Adam himself. Check this out. Why did he do it? To remind him that only God sacrificially deposits perfect identity over him. So he tries to hide God a little bit further down in verse 21. It says, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. God clothed Adam originally. Adam tried to hide. God reclothed him and begins to tell the story of clothing you and I through his son Jesus Christ being a sacrifice. See, because it took a sacrifice of animals in order to get the skin that Adam and Eve were clothed in. And it took a sacrifice for you and I to sit today and be clothed to be robed in righteousness. God has selflessly clothed us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The most freeing thing that I could say to you today is, can you confidently Stand, sit, live, robed in the righteousness that God has created you for. And Isaiah 61.10, I'm going to wrap up with this. I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding, or if you're a female, you would be a bride with her jewels. He's clothed us in salvation and righteousness by Jesus. And I want you to know something. Unrighteousness wants to clothe us in shame. His righteousness clothes us in salvation. Unrighteousness wants to clothe us in shame. If you're lonely, if you feel forgotten, you feel orphaned or hopeless, if you had a strained relationship with a father, a father figure, if you didn't have a father, this is what I would tell you today. There is a father who is in pursuit of you. Second Corinthians 6.18, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. Family, Fathers are necessary. Let's close our eyes. I want to speak to men first, just with your eyes closed. Men, I just want you to, I want you to hear me say it again, but you have what it takes. The reason I know that you have what it takes is because you have a father in heaven who has clothed you in royal righteousness as a son of a king. <laughs> this is important. I know you have what it takes because you have a father in heaven who has clothed you in royal robes of righteousness. 
as a son of a king. You have what it takes. We need encouragement. We need camaraderie. We need, we need togetherness. But I want you to know you have what it takes. For the rest of us, I know that there's a lot of things that we might think and feel and our perspectives and views. But they don't change God. I just want you to know that. Or my views and my feelings, all that stuff, it doesn't change God. And I want you to know something. God is a good God. He's a good Father. And He's pursuing you. Some questions. Do you see yourself as draped in a robe of righteousness of Jesus? Or do you still define yourself by potentially some weak moments that you've had or the shame of your past? That, that shame, maybe because something somebody did to you, maybe necessarily not something you did, it could be either one. But today's the day that I just want to present to you. There's a God who is pursuing us as a father. Fathers, happy Father's Day. We need fathers, men. We carry something significant. This is not a, like a rib shot to men, but I literally, I just want to encourage you men. I need this encouragement. I just want to say to you, the world needs you, your strength, your determination, what God has built into you, the identity that you carry. The world needs you more now than ever. In the next two weeks, we're going to talk about some godly insight to these different pieces. But today, what I want to do is I just want to pray for us. If Today, you realize, I'm just going to make this simple. If you realize that, man, fathers are necessary, and maybe, maybe I've been needing to know that God is a, a father who's pursuing me, would you do me a favor? Would you just stand with me? I'm already standing. I would have stood on that one. I realize in my life I need a father who's pursuing me, who gives me an advocate, who speaks to my identity, who encourages me. I need it. It's necessary. If you're in the room and you, you, you've, you've struggled maybe in the past with men in your life who were fatherly, or your natural father. I feel like the Lord just wants to bring some healing today. And so there's, there's two pieces to that healing is number one, um, don't hesitate to come forward and get prayer from our prayer team, our ministry team. They would love to come alongside and be an encouragement and pray for you. Some of you, this day is a tough day as a father, you know, maybe because of your context of father. Father's in the room. It might be a tough day. I felt like the Lord was just saying, like, men who are fathers, you've lived in regret, some of you. You live with some regret. God didn't create you to be perfect, but to be consistent in rem being reminded that you're robed. And I want to remind you today mistakes are made, we're human but I want you to know you have what it takes. So let's pray. If you need prayer this morning for anything, come forward. I'm going to pray in general. Specifically, if you need prayer, if there's just any hurts, pains, anything 
has to do with fathers come forward um, for the rest of us. Lord, you're a good father. Thank you. Fathers are necessary. Fathers are good. We deposit identity. We make space, and then we pursue. Why? Because you have deposited identity. You've made space, and you pursue us so that we can now live as your sons and daughters in the house, the home, the family that you've created for us. Today we celebrate you as a good father. And I encourage each one of us to let one man in your life, natural father or not, let them know today, say thank you just for being a good dad. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone says amen and amen.